Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Momentum Focus Podcast. My name is Amia Freeman. I am your host. If it's your first time listening, um, I'm grateful that you have come to this space, whether you stumbled on it or someone shared it with you or however you found it. I don't believe in coincidence. So I believe that this conversation and any other conversations that you get to hear, um, I trust that they're going to do exactly what we intended for them to do, and that's to help you adjust your focus. If you're a returning listener, thank you for coming back. You could have chosen to go to any other podcast, and I'm grateful that you came back to listen here. Um, If you listened to, I think it was the last couple of episodes, I talked about potentially changing the name of the podcast. I'm still praying over that because I really don't know what God wants me to call it. Um, well, let me back up. I kind of know what he wants me to call it, but I've just been wrestling with him because the name feels really basic. And for what it's worth, the last couple of years, I've been asking God to help me with words that get under my skin or words that are overused. So I think it's him having some fun with me and not, not being clever with a name and just making it basic, like the podcast, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, but at any rate, we're going to continue the conversations we've been having um, in this particular season, whether you are catching this episode um, in sync with the other episodes, or you found this one as a standalone Um, What we've been discussing is our stories and the gift of telling our story. And the other day I heard Dr. Um, Tama talk about the gift of naming the things that we've experienced in our stories because, and she, she said it so eloquently and I'm probably going to butcher it, but it was the gist of um, how we do a disservice to our heart and to our soul and to our healing when we start to use catchphrases or religious terminology for whatever it was that we've experienced, like say, whatever, whatever your trauma is and you named it or whatever lived experience you've walked through. If you take a religious term, like, you know, I was under attack or I'm battling through, or I don't know, you pick it. We know how to call it. We we use terms, go, go find her on, on Instagram. She is one of her posts. And she says, the thing is, is that we don't break the chain of whatever the thing was that we've experienced. Cause we haven't named it. And I know that if we don't name things, um, they tend to think they have more authority than Christ over our lives. And so by giving it a name and calling it what it is, even if it's an emotional wound, And maybe it was an abandonment or rejection. Um, Maybe it's heavy emotions like depression and anxiety or God forbid suicide. Like if these are the things that we've lived through, if we don't call them out, we can't heal from them because we've clustered them into these generalizations and no one can help us if they don't know where we need the help. I don't know who that's for, but at any rate, that wasn't even what this topic, this week's conversation is about, but I felt like it needed to be said because one of the scriptures that I've been sitting in, and again, God keeps using these really familiar places to take me back to say, like, let me reclaim this territory for you and show you what I meant in my word. 
So it's 2 Corinthians 4, and it's the scripture that talks about us carrying these special treasures in clay pots. Um, I'm going to read to you verses 1 through 4 because there was just one um, particular phrase that really, really stuck out to me. Um, Yeah, okay. Pardon me, I had to think twice for a second. Um, So it says, God in his mercy has given us this work to do, and so we do not become discouraged. We put aside all secret and shameful deeds. We do not act with deceit, nor do we falsify the word of God. In the light of the truth, we live in God's sight and try to commend ourselves to everyone's good conscience. For if the gospel that we preach is hidden, it is only hidden from those who are being lost. They do not believe because their minds have been kept in the dark by the evil God of this world. He keeps them from seeing the light shining on them, the light that comes from the good news about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. For it is not ourselves that we preach. We preach Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants. The God who said out of darkness, the light shall shine is the same God who made this light shine in our hearts to bring us to the knowledge of God's glory shining in the face of Christ. Now, I read that from the Good News Translation, and if that sound really unfamiliar to you, I'm going to go back and read it from the ESV, and maybe this one sounds more familiar. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded their minds or blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of Christ. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, with ourselves as your servant for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. So I was reading this the other day, and there was one um, one line in this scripture that said, and I believe it might have been the King James Version, but it said, we are we are not preaching about ourselves, to ourselves, for ourselves. We're not even preaching for you. We're preaching for the knowledge of God in the name of Christ, for Christ's sake, so that we might be an open display of truth. And I sat in that phrase, an open display of truth, and I felt like God said, this is your life on an everyday basis, that if you trust me and you know that your story is in my hands, there is not a single thing that has been wasted. There is no shame that can ever claim your identity. There's no guilt or condemnation that could ever separate you from my love, right? It says in Romans that there is nothing, no demon in hell, no height, no depth, nothing separates us from the love of God. And if we preach, meaning your everyday coming and going, you're showing up and taking up space, you're owning your story in the name of God for Christ's sake, that's what you're preaching. Not for yourself, not for your platform, not for accolades, not for whatever. 
it's great to get a good job and way to go every now and then, but if we live for that, we'll die by it, right? And our stories, which is why I committed this season to telling the story, because a lot of times we carry these stories that shame tries to take over and say a number of things that rob us of our truest identity and keep us from doing the work that God has called us to do, whether that work would be on big stages or on platforms, or maybe that work is something that seems mundane and it's taking care of your family for that season. But if your story has gotten trapped in your body it can cause you to not be able to move. It can cause you to become voiceless. It can cause you to feel like you're useless. So um, I just wanted to offer that to you so that you would have scripturally something to stand on as we dive into today's conversation. Um, again, staying in the in the spirit of wellness and because wellness can be a really vague word and what does it look like to be well and couple of episodes, we broke down the the suffix ness, N-E-S-S, like what's your ness? <laughs> whatever you attach ness to, whatever word or verb you attach it to, it's the process of becoming. And maybe even you're becoming your story. Your past is your past, but it got you to where you are right now listening to this episode Literally today, I was walking through the grocery store and I thought, man, I wonder what my life would have been like if I would have chosen a different college. I would not be on this podcast right now. I can tell you that because my life would be completely different. So I've been learning to embrace what is the story now so that God can use the story then to tell the story that comes later. That's like five episodes right there. <laughs> so today I have with me um, a guest that, man, God's been really kind because the last couple of guests that I've had on the show have been people that I've met through other people that feel kindred, that feel like a sister from another sister from another mister kind of connections. And this guest I met through my sister-in-law, but I don't even call her my sister-in-law. She's like my sister. Like she's the best sister-in-law there ever was. <laughs> I love her. And this is how I met Tish. And it's so funny because my sister-in-law's name, we call her Tish. And so when I met Keish, I was like, wait a minute, wait. What? Okay. <laughs> so, um, and for transparency, I had to ask her, like, tell me how to pronounce your name. Cause I think I know what I'm saying, but I don't want to mispronounce it because my name gets butchered. So, um, but I asked her if she would come on the podcast because one day she posted about a book that she was reading and it so touched me because it was about telling your story and embracing the work that's happening as you walk through the healing and the process and all the things that happen from birth to carry on, right? Um, and I and reached out to her and I said, I need to know your story. I need to know your story. And I need to hand you a microphone and give you some space to talk about what you're doing, who you're serving. And then as God would have it, God connected her with a friend of mine um, at a women's event. And it's just been like six degrees of separation. So 
I'm excited for this conversation. So I'm going to hand over the microphone to Keish. Um, let everybody that's listening know who you are. Um, what do you do? And we're just going to go from there and see what God wants to do with this conversation. So take it away. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, uh, I am Lakeish Hayes, born and raised in Columbus, living in Akron currently. And I just love little old Akron. I just love little Akron. I say I grew up in Akron, right? So that's a that's a lot there. Uh, so I get to serve in this season as the executive director of a nonprofit um, called Project Ujima. So we teach and facilitate a discussion circle process of how we bring people together around a shared passion, how we build relationships of trust, find common ground, and when appropriate, we move that conversation from talk to action. And so we know that we um, we know we can get together and complain about what's wrong. We know we can do that very well. But what we often lack is a process of how to get to that action and how to build relationships of trust so that we you know, can get some stuff done. And so we teach and facilitate that discussion process uh, in and around Akron. And we've been doing this. I've been in this space for five years, but the organization has been uh, in Akron and serving Akron for 12 years. So, yeah. And so another component of what we do is we are in the infant vitality space. So we have two programs currently. Uh, one, a drop-in center called the Zalika Gathering Home, where we um, kind of provide some gaps in services. Like you can come take a shower at the drop-in center. You can wash clothes at the drop-in center. You can just come chill with your girls at the drop-in center. You want to just drop by, you can drop by. So we have that. And then we also have Queens Village. And it's a space uh, specifically for Black women to... Uh, feel empowered and repowered by one another. So we put those events on through that through that uh, program in the city for Black women of childbearing age um, so that they um, feel repowered to go into their spaces um, and to doctor's appointments, their offices, and as a Black woman, and they feel less stressed entering those spaces after they've come to this group and healed somewhat uh, with us. So that's mainly the work that I get to do um, during the day and the evening. I'm a creative guy, created me to be a creative. And so I have a small art space here and I do some mobile a mobile craft studio. So I go around, do a little, little craft shows and vending events. So, yeah. <laughs> I am like hating the fact that I don't live in Akron Canton vicinity anymore <laughs> because this is man this brings my heart pure joy mm-hmm. to hear this is this is the work that you're doing because and I wrote down a couple of things as you were talking um one of the things that friends of mine have talked about is how do you make friends as an adult and how awkward it can be. And whether you, I'm one that I don't like small talk. So I'm like, like, I hate small talk. I'm like, must we talk about the weather? Let's just dive right in and talk about your soul. You know what I mean? Um, But to create these spaces, and I just watched from a distance, the most recent um, retreat that you that I don't know if you hosted or if you were just an attendee there, but that my friend Brooke attended. And I watched just from the posts that you and Brooke were both putting on social media. And I was lightweight jealous. Like I needed to be there 
And then I was, my brain just started turning on like, I've been wanting to get back to, I still call it home. I've been wanting to get back to home to, to do some of the work that I'm doing here. Um, but didn't know that these things were happening. You know what I mean? So what a gift Mm -hmm. that you get to give it in the same area that you lived in and know well and have roots, you know what I mean? Um, But the, the get not, but, and the gift of not just coming together and bonding, but giving people space to have those conversations, but then create action plans to move out. Right. Because that's half the reason when this podcast was started, it was with the notion of give people practical tools that they can walk away with and apply, whether the conversations spark a thought and they go journaling and then they start moving in the direction to find the things that they, they need. And I used to joke and say, like, I'm a random Rolodex of information. And like somebody was saying, Hey, what you happen to know? And I'm like, as a matter of fact, I do. Yeah, that's good. Not that I know the knowledge, but I know somebody that knows it and I can point you to them. You know what I mean? That's really good. Yeah. And I'm so grateful that you're here because I feel like you're one of those people now that I'm going to be like, you need to go see her. <laughs> okay. <laughs> two, two key things that I would love to dive into. Um, okay. Trust. And you use the word repower. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So trust is a huge one for me right now because okay. um, most of us have trust issues. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. We yeah, just yeah. call it that. Yep. <laughs> yep. Just, yep. yep. Worth, we just don't call it that. Yep. So walk, walk us through, um, give me an example of some of the processes that you offer to people to help them with identifying what, what does trust actually look like? And then um, let's talk about some of the action steps that I might take. Mm-hmm. Like I'm talking like I'm one of your clients. I'm like, trust <laughs> I think when we when you talk about trust for us, it's a, it's about building relationships. And before you uh, tell me anything about your your knowledge or anything, before we approach that, I need to know uh, how much you care. I want to know mm-hmm. how much you care. I want to be able to identify with you um, before I let this guard down to be able to trust you. And so when we're going into spaces and teaching and facilitating these conversations, we spend a great deal of time t- building relationships first. And so many people who hire us and come in and, and we tell them this is going to be a four circle process. And the first two circles are going to be two hours of nothing but trust building. And they're looking at us like, huh? It's like, this is the process that it takes because people have so much mistrust that we have to spend a great deal of time helping people build, rebuild trust in that space with most of the time, complete strangers. And that doesn't happen overnight. And we shouldn't expect that from people. If you want people to come together and share with you in a very meaningful way, um, trust has to be built. And the only way to do that is to build a relationship with them. And then once the relationship is built, you can revisit that that conversation. You can go back to that and you can say, you can ask all the questions in the world that you want in a really authentic way. But you can't do that unless you build trust. I mean, unless you build the relationship. So two hours of, so you said four circles of trust building. 
And you said a two-hour trust. What did you call it? You said four hour or four circles of tr- of building trust and building yes. the rapport, and two hours of trust. Give me any like. Tell me about these trust uh, activities that you take them through. So we we have people sit in a circle, and a circle has um you know it's 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 such it's so meaningful. Um, and we ask people just to omit titles because those aren't necessary. But what's really important for us is just who you are and your lived experience in this moment. And so, um, sitting in that circle, we take them through some rituals. How we open up and we um you know do some deep breathing and try to connect with our breath because how important is breath work in our in our space right in our lives right if we just slow down and breathe that will solve a whole lot of problems right right so as so we start there and then we do like an introduction and check-in round so we want to know your name and that introduction and check-in round is like a fun time that we're building relationships here so we sometimes ask I we did one yesterday and we asked them to share your name and one of your funniest memories. So I always share when I fell down the steps at my aunt's funeral. Like, I mean, that, that to me, that's extremely funny. Like, that's the wrong time to fall down the steps, sis. But, <laughs> but I was going. I mean, my brother says all he seen was this smile and these braids just rolling. <laughs> I said, I might as well wait until I get to the bottom and ain't no stopping me. So I share, you know, share that. So usually there's a lot of laughter in there, right? And yeah. so- um, you know, layers are just coming off and, um, you know, walls are coming down as people are laughing during that introduction round. And that's another way that we build relationships, right? So we also center around some quotes. And so we usually have a couple quotes that we uh, share that are meaningful or related to the subject that we're getting ready to talk about. And people always are having reaction to the quote. Like we make sure, you know, we go deep. Some of them are African proverbs. Some of them are great quotes by famous people or just you know, people we know, um, and they usually respond to, you know, the quote, or we ask them, what, what's resonating with you? Or what are you carrying with you that you want to share in that space? So that's another way that we build the relationships. And we do this in rounds. So everyone gets a chance around the circle to speak. And so we have a talking piece. And so whoever has a talking piece is the person who starts the conversation. Everyone else is listening. And when the com- the talking piece makes it away around the circle, and we pass it to the left. We say the biggest part of your heart is on the left, so pass it to your left. And so we that's the way we ensure we get to make sure that every verse, every voice is heard because every voice is meaningful. Um, every voice is important in that space. And so we go around and do that. Um, and then we just ask several more questions and we play and we might throw in a game um, like a yarn game, a yarn toss game where we're building more relationship. Uh, and then we always close with the reflection round of, you know, how you felt when you were in this space. So as I've never heard anyone have um, a negative reflection after spending time in the circle. They're always like, uh, we did one on Sunday with about 168 people. It was a combination of like a cafe style and our style of, co- of communicating, our gathering and engaging people. And um, everyone in here is, we have to, we got to do this again. Like that's mm-hmm. always the feedback. We got to do it again. You know, like we I know I'm sitting here like, when's the next one so I can fly to Ohio? <laughs> This is like, oh man, this is like filling my tank in so many ways because I thrive on environments like that mm-hmm. of building camaraderie, building trust and rapport. Um, I mean, you have to get a little bit silly and giddy just to like 
make people understand, like, don't take yourself so serious. Right. Right. And laughter literally heals the soul, you know? Um, But I love what you said about um, the, the talking piece. Mm -hmm. I'm familiar with the talking piece, but I don't know that everybody that's listening is familiar. Do you want to share a little bit more about that? Mm-hmm. Sure. So we we have in our circle space, we have um, in the middle of the circle, we have a mat. And on top of the mat, we call them talking pieces or centering pieces, and they serve as both. And so when we are doing like a deep breathing, we use it as a, a place for people to kind of look at and focus their eyes on. And then uh, when we're ready to start having rounds of conversation or sharing, we ask people to pick up the talking piece. And so the talking piece can be anything that um, the participants have brought from the home that are as meaningful to them that they put in this space. Or it could be things that we brought in this space that um, have to do with the circle. So if it's a circle with youth, we try to do like a Rubik's Cube or some fun things that they would be interested in. Um, If a circle around like mothers, then we might do like a baby blanket with baby toys on top of it. And they'll serve as like a talking piece. Uh, Mm -hmm. So whatever the conversation is about, we try to mirror our um, talking pieces with that. And so, again, we use those to start our rounds. And so they will pick it up whatever one they're connecting with and pick it up and they would um, of course share and they would pass it to the left. And so there's opportunities where, you know, if you, if you don't have anything to share, you can hold it in silence because that means something Um, Mm -hmm. or you can skip, we can skip you um, and come back to you depending on, you know, where we are in the session and then how important it is for us to continue to build relationships if it's necessary to let you skip or not. And so it's just a way that we use to be able to hear from everybody in the space. It's a different way than what, you know, conversation at home usually is. It's usually the loudest person who, the person with the loudest voice is the person who's doing all the talking. And it's like, no, in this space, it's different. We're having a different kind of conversation and this is how we're going to have this conversation. And of course, we set some commitments and and ground rules too. Like this is what, this is how we're going to operate in this space so that we continue to respect one another and that we're not um, judging people in this space and we're not, it's not going to become a combative space because we do, we set all that at the top of the space and top of the circle. So we've never had a circle that and people ask like, have you had to to kick somebody out the circle? (laughs) It's like, no, we've never had to kick anyone out the circle. No, no matter how, you know, we do race dialogues and things like that, but we've never had to. Wow. I love it. Just even as you as you were given some of the examples of the talking piece, like thoughts were coming to mind for me mm-hmm. of what, you know, what they would represent. Mm-hmm. And even I love that you said just, you know, the invitation of silence mm-hmm. says something. Yes. Yes. Because you don't, you don't, you don't always have to say a whole lot. It's so funny because I remember in college, um, I did an entire persuasive speech on silence, one of my communication classes. And for the first 10 minutes, I said absolutely nothing. (laughs) People are uncomfortable with silence. Some people are. Yeah. So like I did the intro and talked about the value of it and had like instrumental background music to set the tone. And then I said, and like to just observe the people, yeah. even my professor got really uncomfortable. Yeah. I remember she 
when she gave me back my rubric, she like wrote me up for like wasting time in a speech. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, you missed the point. She missed it. Totally missed it. For what it's what, for what it's worth in full transparency, that was pre-Jesus. And I was really trying to be rebellious and like, <laughs> so bless the Lord. <laughs> he has redeemed that for me. <laughs> but because of because of invitations like this, of doing breath work and silence, I have learned to even take the thing that I used to use as a weapon mm-hmm. and God is now using it as a gift. That's good. That's like good. the silence and the voice. Yeah. 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 Both. Both are powerful. Yeah. They're yeah. so powerful. And just, I don't know, like as you were telling the story of the circle and the talking piece, I felt myself in that circle and I could actually see some of the faces of the women that might be sitting there. And maybe that's just my connection of knowing the gift of bringing people together and gathering. um, And just making that space available Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to know that. So I love that you said that you omit the titles because I recently, I attended um, a women's gathering and I didn't know anyone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, like you talk about the building rapport thing, and I get really anxious when it comes to like going sure. into new spaces. Sure, sure yeah. <laughs> and and I knew the host, but I didn't know anyone else. Yeah. And he just said, and I knew it was going to be all for it was a a gathering for women of color mm-hmm. that serve in ministry spaces that maybe they're the only one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. she intentionally brought us all together under that. And she, the way she had us introduce ourselves was our name and the place where we take great pride in the influence that we have, not our job, not necessarily our job, like it sure. yeah. our friend group or, you know, our spouse or wherever. And she said, I don't want it to be about the work you do. Yeah. yeah. Right. And she said, because someone inevitably will begin to feel less than out of just this like perception that their work is undervalued because of the other person's work. Sure, and sure. I was telling a friend recently that I didn't even know this was possible, but when I left the event, I felt beyond seen. I felt like I could genuinely just be me in a, in a room full of people who didn't even know me. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, that's so good. Like, you know what I mean? Like you get to be known and seen because they want to know you and see you. You know, it was just the wildest thing. And I'm probably. <laughs> that's good. That's so good. That's- but it was a reminder to me mm-hmm. to begin to start creating these spaces for other women. Yeah. With, right. Even on this podcast, that's what I've tried to do is to create these spaces where people begin to trust the sound of my voice. Mm-hmm. And so then they trust the people that I bring on here. Yeah. Yes. You know yeah. what I mean? And then yeah. they become a little more vulnerable. Uh-huh. 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 That's it right there. Even in a space like social media, where sometimes people are way too vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need you to put some filters on that. Please and thank you. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Um, So I wanted to come back to um, 
Oh, you mentioned something that I, oh, just as you were talking, uh, I don't know, just your presence and your voice and just the way you kind of broke down the the flow of one of the circles. Um, I just like, I'm intrigued on how you got connected with this and how, how this all started and where it birthed from and like, who are you and where'd you come from? Because this is pretty awesome. <laughs> So what a story. What a story. So let me tell you. So God, it's all, it's all God. It's all God, right? So I came to Kent and I, I graduated high school in 99, came to Kent State in 99 um, and really didn't know what I was doing, but just knew I wanted to do something, right? So filled out the financial aid like in January, right? That's when they had deadlines for FAFSA. I was so late and behind, like my grandma had to help me come up with the money to get here. So I got here on a wing and a prayer. And uh, so left left Columbus in 99, went to Kent State. Um, yeah, had, had, yeah had, a, had a time at Kent State there. <laughs> I had a time there. My first grading period, I had a 0 0.9. Um, yep. I was like, oh, they were like, yeah, you can get kicked out. And I was like, y'all gonna kick me out? Like, I thought as long as I paid my money, it was good, right? You know, I'm so used to this. You take my money, I'll abuse you type relationship, right? So I thought that was the same relationship that was gonna happen at Kent, right? So I'm like, okay, well, maybe I, I need to do something different. So I uh, come from a family my mom had six children and my mom battled with drugs. And so um, grew up in foster care. And sometimes uh, my grandmother would have custody of us when her health wasn't failing her. And so I really had, um, my family had told me to graduate from high school. And so I did that. And so when I was, I was looking to them to see, you know, what's next for me, like, what should I be doing? And they, they had not, they, that was it. Like that was all that they told me. So when I finished high school, I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And so I had a friend, uh, Monique, who, you know, uh, she was going to Kent State and her mom had graduated. I think she had her associate's degree. So she was more familiar. And so I kind of wrote on her, you know, her coattail, like, you know, okay, this is what you're doing. So she's like, Keisha, you need to do this, 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 and this. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do it. So I got accepted to Kent and went to Kent. And so had really never studied in high school, didn't really understand any of that, you know, made honor roll without applying myself really too much. And so I thought I was going to do that at Kent, right? I was just going to go fly my way through. It's going to be good, right? Until I got that 0 0.9. They're like, girl, <laughs> girl, you going to get out of here. <laughs> so I was like, okay, let me finish. Let me straighten myself up. So got myself together enough to be able to stay. Then I got a job and I was like, I want a car because I, um, I I didn't have any way to get around. And, you know, family back in Columbus was doing their own thing. I really didn't have a whole lot of support um, being down there. So I needed to get a car and an apartment. And I got both of those. And I'm like, dang, I can't work and go to school because I got apartment I got to pay for, a car I got to pay for. Like school became less, less important because these bills were piling up. Like I got to take care of these bills. So I, I took some time off, went back, took some time off, went back, back for So I took a long time off. I don't really remember how long, <laughs> really remember how long, but I ended up um, in 2018. So 1999 to 2018, no, around 2016 is when I really uh, went back to school. 
graduated with my uh, associates and then my bachelor's. So I, I graduated with my bachelor's finally in 2018. And as God would have it, um, I, I was familiar with Project Ujima. I had um, become trained at, back then we called it a deliberate di- deliberative dialogue. And so I had become one of their facilitators um, like 2012, 2013, but I really wasn't connected. And so um, when I was doing my internship, um, my friend had called and said, hey, do you want to do your internship with Project Ujima? Because the executive director is thinking about retiring. And I said, "Uh, I guess I can kind of see what they do. And, you know, and I I could do that. So I did my internship with them in 2017. And then when I graduated in 2018, um, guys, amazing walk off the stage, walk right into the executive director position with no work, no experience. Like I had worked for a nonprofit before, but yeah. So just like, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So after all that time, yeah. So that's how I became the executive director of Project Ujima and have been there for five years learning our painting as I go. (laughs) <laughs> painting as I go so yeah yeah that's how I that's how I got that's how I got that's my magnificent story of how I got into that space definitely got God ordained I didn't interview for it I didn't I didn't ask for it it was just it was there with my name on it you know it was it was there with my name on it I mean what a gift of <laughs> man just that <laughs> yeah that story, like the testimony of that for you, for God to put you in charge of these spaces where all you had was trust. Mm-hmm. Now he's asking you to facilitate this. Yeah. Like that, like when we started this conversation of like knowing that nothing is wasted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I picked that up when you said that. Yeah. Right. Like nothing is wasted. And it just, I don't know, like, like I said, hearing you speak, like just the tone of your voice. And as you were explaining the process of the circles and building the rapport, just you have a presence already that is inviting and calming. And to know that part of your story explains the compassion behind, behind your voice, mm-hmm. right? Like I am a stickler for leaning in and listening to the the tone of someone's voice and you know, whether they change the pitch or when they change the pitch. And if they, <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's a trauma response that I like picked up as a kid. <laughs> like I can read the room and that's a trauma response, but I also think it's a gift. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. It's the old saying of like, people won't care what you know until they know that you care oh yeah, oh, yeah. you're going to remember how you made them feel and you can't, you can't pretend compassion. No. You can't. I mean, like, I think people, I think we've lived in a generation and a culture that has been so performative because we've watched the way other people have done it. And so we try to copycat someone else mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. without even knowing how they got where they are. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's, a, there's a gift of being inspired by somebody and saying, oh, wow, I love what they do. I'd like to do what they do. Let me find out how they did it. Yeah. But without the the deep, I don't know, like the deep interwoven fabrics of your being, mm-hmm. there being a story behind that, like 
you can't you can't learn that. No, you, can't. You, <laughs> it's, can't. you can't. I got an opportunity to share. Um, there's a Akron Pregnancy Services here in Akron. Um, one lady asked me to come. I, I used to work with her and she asked me to come and share uh, with her group of women. And it was uh, I was sitting down and I kind of wrote pieces of my story on a on a note card. And I um, I gave one to each woman around that circle space and asked them to read it. And so even though I sh- I show up like I look and I, you know, you might look at me and think differently. This is my story. And so um, a lot of them were were very shocked to hear, you know, some of the things I had uh, endured in my short time of life. And so um, like one of them was in tears and and I I was taken aback a bit by her tears because I wasn't. And she said, you have every reason to be angry, but you're just not angry. Right. And I'm like, yeah, God, God, God never, he never, that's, he blessed me with peace. Like, and that's what people say, you're so peaceful. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's a blessing from God. He's, he's given that to me. And, uh, and I recognize that because you're right. I have every, I could be angry. I could be walking around an angry woman if I wanted to. There's a reason for that. But I just, he he hasn't allowed that for me. Like, I don't carry that at all. Yeah. Like your demeanor is just so calm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So calm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And man, <laughs> I'm at a loss of words and I rarely lose words. <laughs> but it, um, when you were... I don't know, when you were talking a moment ago of just the process of your background and your backstory and leading you into this, um, is this, actually, let me rephrase it because I don't like to ask closed-ended questions. When you decided to go to Kent, what was your, like, what was your dream job or what was your goal? What were you studying? Uh, So I started out at Kent State as in nursing. Yeah, I wanted to be a, a a neonatal nurse. I knew in third grade when I flipped to the back of the science book and I seen that definition and because uh, I love babies, love working with babies. And so I was like, that's it. That's what I'm going to be. I'm going to be a neonatal nurse. Yeah. And then I got to Kent State and realized all the science classes that I had to take. And my very first chemistry class, he the the teacher the professor didn't speak English and I walked I couldn't understand what he was saying and then chemistry seemed so foreign to me uh, on its own I said oh this isn't gonna work yeah, <laughs> yeah. this isn't gonna work for me and uh and, and and then they couldn't guarantee that I would be working with babies and only babies and so I said well maybe I should maybe I should do something different <laughs> so what made you change your major uh, that's it. That's what made me change my major. That's what made you change it. That's yeah, funny yeah. I talked to so many people that, you know, I asked them, like, are you doing what you initially wanted to do when you went into college or when you were a kid? You know, sometimes people say, like, if you could be if you could do now what you wanted to do when you were a kid, what would you be doing? And most people are like, I don't want to do what I wanted to do when I was a kid. So there's that. Right. Because I laugh at it almost to the same uh, same story i initially wanted to be a social worker mm-hmm. which is like what eight-year-old wants to be a social worker <laughs> i wanted to be a social worker which wow, is a telling story right yeah. um and then i wanted to be a pediatrician mm-hmm. and then i wanted to be 
Nancy Drew. Like <laughs> I wanted to be a detective. Oh, wow. wow. I genuinely wanted to be a detective. And when I figured out that Nancy Drew was a made up character, but she was in a book, I was like, oh, well then maybe I can write about yeah. tell like detective story. Oh, okay. Okay. And so I've always wanted to be a writer, but then get to high school and decided I wanted to be an accountant. I don't know where that came from. Mm-hmm. And I was really good at it. So I headed off to college to be an accountant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Similar to your story, I took one accounting class and was like, what? <laughs> this, nobody told me this is what would happen. That's and right. I- good at it in high school but I took that one class in college and went straight to the registrars and was like I need to change my program because I don't know what this message is I switched to sociology still on the the vein of I'm gonna become a social worker right and I took one journalism class as an elective and the professor was like what's your program And I told him, he said, well, what do you want to do with it? I said, I'm going to be a a social worker, but I want to work with like, um, I forget how I worded it, but I wanted to work with like adoption agencies to make sure that kids were protected. Wow. Wow. He was like, wow. And, And I remember him sitting me down and asking like, without him saying, what's your story? He knew that there was a reason why I married those two together. Yeah. Cause I've never heard that. Yeah. And, and, and wanting to also tell stories cause I love to write. And he's like, have you ever thought of being an investigative journalist with a minor in sociology so that you understand the systems? Mm. I was like, huh? Yeah, this was pre-Jesus. So I was like, you mean <laughs> dig up people's dirt for real and get paid? <laughs> So, but this is the gift of God of nothing being wasted, right? Like I still feel like this podcast gives me the opportunity to, to do that work, to connect with people like you, to tell the stories, to give people resources, to still rescue the children. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. And and get them the resources and the help that they need. Cause we're all still children, whether we are 13 or 15, still children. And like, so that's why I say, like, as you're talking, like the deep ingrained interwoven social worker in my heart is like, yes, how many people can I connect to this service? And how can I get you to Florida so that we can do a circle in Orlando and pack a room full of women? Yeah. Because it's been my heart to create these spaces for women that isn't just a come and get it, go home and say that was a great event. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, we can collect t-shirts and goodie bags and swag, but then still go home broken. That's true. Yeah. And that would have been a waste of time. Yeah. Just a a waste of time. One of the things that you said a moment ago, when you were talking about your background and how you became the executive director, you, you use the phrase deliberative dialogue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've never heard that phrase before. Tell me, what is that? 
So that's a type of uh, dialogue or conversation that you have. And so that conversation um, is how is the action part of the conversation. So how do you generate ideas? So uh, and what I usually tell people um, so that they can wrap their mind around is like we have to sell Big Mama's house. Right. So that's an example. So everyone has a thought and opinion of uh, what we should do with Big Mama's house. Some people want to paint it and um, they want to sell it. Some people want to live in it and make it the family home. Some people want to rent it out. Some people think that you should tear it down, right? So these are all ideas of what should happen, right? So we generate the ideas, we find the common ground, right? And we weigh the pros, the cons, and the trade-off of all these ideas. You know, what's great about the idea that you offer? What are the challenges about the idea you offer? And then the part where we kind of lose people is the trade-offs. Like, what are you personally willing to give up? So that this happens, right? So -hmm. you don't get to come and complain about it, generate ideas without telling us what your skin in the game is, right? Mm -hmm. So we want to know how invested are you in this, right? So after we do the pros, cons, and the trade-off, generally one idea rises to the top because you have what? The resources to do it and you have the people who are committed to doing it, right? And so that's the deliberative dialogue. You take them through that process. And that process can be very long depending on how many people are in the space, and how many overall ideas you have to do with the pros, the cons, and the trade-offs of it. And then you actually walk away with this one thing that the group, the total group, has decided that they're going to work on. Like, And then we make decisions about who's going to do what by when. And then we come back and we call it a JLP. We judge our progress. Did we complete what we said we were going to do? If not, what happened? You know, what? why didn't we reach our goal, right? And maybe somebody else needed to be at the table. Maybe we didn't have any, um, as many resources as we needed. So we go back, we create another plan, and then we decide who's going to do what by when, and then give them that time and space to get it done. Then we come back and do another JLP. And did we complete what we said we were going to do? And if the answer is yes, then we move on to the next thing. And so everyone in the circle are in that conversation is invested. And so whether it was their idea or not their idea, um, because of the process of that deliberation, they were able to say, you know, this isn't my number one idea, but nothing's going to keep me in the, or get in the way of me participating because I'm passionate about this thing still. So that's the deliberative dialogue process. I love that. And so does that process feed into what you talked about earlier about repowered? like to repower the women? Because I've heard a lot of places and circles and events talk about empowering people, but to repower somebody is a whole other thing. <laughs> oh, so that's just this concept and idea, right? And so here, and I love the the repower of it simply because it's like, I am God's child and I am made in his image. So I lack nothing. Mm. I lack nothing. So what he uses is people to repower that which he has already created and invested in me and created in me. So you can't empower me because if you can empower me, you can take that away. But you can repower me. God can use you to repower me because I lack nothing. Stop. We could just end the podcast on that note. What? I lack nothing. You can't empower me. God did that. He already did that. I'm made in his image. Good night. See, this is this. Is, okay, so this is what 
And I think I said this at the beginning, I've been asking God to take these phrases that we have come to know, we've used, it's on t-shirts, it's on coffee mugs, it's hanging in our houses, mm-hmm. fearfully yeah. and wonderfully made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's now being tossed around and used in circles that are not faith-based mm. and don't have scripture attached to it. It doesn't carry the same authority that we know that it could carry if God is breathing on it. But I think what is happening, like I'm about to get on a soapbox, y'all. I think what's happening is that because it's been so, not just that phrase, but so many phrases in Christian circles, they've been so used that they've lost the authority that was originally intended. Mm. For example, um, the phrase Jehovah Jireh. Mm-hmm. Today, I was reading the story of the sacrifice of Abraham and Isaac. Mm-hmm. And when I read it, there was a statement that jumped out in that scripture in Genesis. And it was, Abraham was preparing he was about to get the tools together that god told him to get together for the sacrifice and Mm -hmm. isaac calls his name or no god calls abraham's name and he says here i am Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and later in the scripture isaac calls his father and he abraham answers here i am Later, after they get all the tools and Isaac's on the altar and God calls Abraham from the bush, Abraham answers again, here I am. Mm -hmm. And then he calls that place Jehovah Jireh. And as I read it, I heard God say, if you call Jehovah Jireh, you're calling here I am. Mm Right. Abraham was responding based on if God calls you, you need to answer where you are. Mm, wow. That's deep. Wow. Right. Yeah. Wow. Here I am. Yeah. Wow. In the place that you are. In the place that you are. So that's huge. That's huge. So Abraham answered God, here I am. He answered Isaac, here I am. He answered God again, here I am. And then he calls the place of sacrifice because God provided Jehovah Jireh, God, the provider, I am here, right here. I provide wherever you are. I'm also there. And because I'm there, it is there. Mm -hmm. And you know what I mean? So like, we've heard that phrase, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. We say it's on t-shirts and sweatshirts and hoodies. And I feel like that was another take back from God for God to say, like, everything that I've ever called over you and who you are and yeah. every conversation, even the, even the fact that your group meets in circles mm-hmm. is symbolic to me because a circle is the most connected people can be. Yeah. If you're if your group sat in lines, there would be a default in our minds that say, like there's order here, mm-hmm. but a circle where it's a common ground, we've come together, it's closed off, it's mm-hmm. continuous, there's no break in it, mm-hmm. right? I'm always, whenever I hear the word circle, I'm reminded of Joshua 
marching until yeah. Jericho's walls yeah. fall down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, God, how God designed us, and so like the rhythm of like the act. I mean, the blood flowing through our body, right? How yeah, it, the circle know. of life, right? <laughs> the, the Lion King, like all of it, right? <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is genuinely the circle of life yes it is yes of, it like is. literally the cyclical regeneration that's why like when you said repower that the first thing i thought of is regeneration and the recycling and the repurposing and the restoration oh, that's good that's and the renewal yeah. and the reminding and yeah. the ah yes all of that yes and Yes, yes. And yes. the fact that you said these these trust and relationship circles, there's four of them. Four, I don't know if you know it, but four is a very significant number biblically, and it is the process of the regeneration. Mm. And it's holy. Mm. And it's the number four represents opening doors. Mm. And like, I'm getting chills right now because it like... <laughs> It blesses me. I'll hold that. I'll hold that because I what I didn't realize that. So I'll hold that. Yeah. It's I mean, just I am beyond blessed by the work that you're doing. And I could probably talk to you for hours on top of hours. And and here's the thing is that I think that you're gonna come back on this podcast because there are some other things that I do want to talk to you about. I'm, I'm open to it. I'm open to it. Yeah. And and I'm not joking when I say I'm going to get you here to Florida because I am, I'm working on putting together a women's retreat. Lovely. And I know that you need to be a part of it. Um, yeah, I know that you need to be a part of it. And I feel like there are women that need to know the work that you're doing, that need to know that you're you're so accessible. Because a lot of times women will hear this type of work that's happening and they'll say, you know, so where can we find you? And you're like, oh, I'm in Maryland. I'm in Virginia. I'm in Miami. I'm in Los Angeles. She's in Akron, Ohio, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, Akron, Ohio. Love Akron too. Love- and that blesses my heart beyond understanding Blesses my heart. Um, okay, before I start going in a different direction on, on a tangent, I'm going to wrap this conversation up. There was one thing that I did ask. I try to ask each of the guests that come on here because um, the goal is to help people to adjust their focus. Mm-hmm. And hearing the way you coach other people to to build the rapport and to build the trust that is adjusting their focus mm-hmm. how do you on a day-to-day basis because you pour out so much what what do you do to see to it in addition to like clearly you're a woman of god but in addition to that what do you do on a thursday to see to it that you adjust your focus to make sure that you come back to the main thing i am i am I love being alone and I don't mind spending the whole weekend at home. I love a good nature show. 
<laughs> I love a life below zero or a good nature and hunting show, believe it or not. Like I'm all things girly glitz and glam, but I do love a good old nature show. And so I do like I know in this position, I don't get to play the background. And that's where I would have lived my life. But mm-hmm. that's not how God wanted me to live. And so when I get done pouring out in those spaces where I don't get to just sit and listen and help and make sure things go over well, where I have to be in the forefront, like that's draining for me. So mm-hmm. I come back home to my space, my comfort, and I and I just re-energize her just by being here. You know, I'm like, uh, I, I've, I've maxed out and I've reached capacity with people today. <laughs> So I'm coming home and I'm just going to chill and do nothing. So sometimes absolutely nothing is perfect for me. Just a great show and just being home is perfect for me. And again, I'm, I, I like to create. So crafting is also where I kind of get, um, I release and do my self-care. And so I get to be creative as I want to be. I have a little art space at Northside Marketplace. So I, I go over there and, you know, some concrete stuff, some desk cards, some room sprays and, and all that. So that, and God told me that, like, I, I made you creative, you're doing nothing with it. And so I was like, oh, let me do something. So yeah, yeah, so I do that now. So a little bit of creating and trying to figure out what makes sense to be in that space. So that keeps me busy too. I love that. I love it. I love it. Well, I am genuinely grateful for just this whole conversation, like I said, I want to keep going because I we didn't even get to talk more about the queen space, ah, uh, yeah, infant vitality. Yeah, I think that that's those are two, those are two separate podcasts. Mm. How about that? I've never yeah. had someone come back three times in a row, but you might be the first. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm open to it. I love to. I really love to. This has been a uh, such. Um, a great place for me. Like there's, there's this book I'm, I'm reading called Sisterhood Heals. And it talks about how women heal in, in therapy, in group and in therapy with one another. And so how we, we can't avoid that work because it's, it's most effective. And so, um, so I'm, I'm really open to it and love to. So. I love that. I have that book. I actually bought it. It's, it's on this growing stack <laughs> of these books that I have heard about that need to be read that are, there's a theme happening on this stack. <laughs> that I don't know if it's my 2024 uh, stack or what, but it's still growing. And that book is in there. Um, in addition to um, Dr. Kobe Campbell, Why Am I Like This? Mm. She breaks okay. down the kind of the trauma responses that we have from our past stories and how we can let them go into the hands of God so that he can use them to bless other people. Because you, when I sent the invitation to, for you to um, schedule this episode, your answer to how you stay focused, like brought me to tears. And I don't even know if you remember what you wrote, but you said someone else's life will be affected by how I choose to show up or not show up. And it just sparked something in me because that phrase show up is one that God keeps untangling for me. So maybe maybe that's what the next uh, conversation is about showing up in the spaces that you've been invited. Well, in the show notes, I'm going to put 
your contact information for the people that are interested in learning more about Project Ujima or any of the other um, programs that you offer. Um, And um, I'm grateful. Just that might sound really cheesy and (laughs) and I'm just, I'm grateful for women like you that are doing the work, not just talking about it and not just getting up on stages to get applause, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. sitting in circles to get the applause of like, oh, you're so awesome. But like pouring into people, pouring into women specifically and specifically women of color Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to, to repower them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't take it for granted at all. Um, Not at all. And so I feel extremely blessed to be in this space. Uh, There were times when I thought I, 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 you know, I asked God, why me? Why you, why I, why me? You know, and now it's like, why not you? And so are you going to show up in this space? Are you not going to show up? Which Mm -hmm. one are you going to (laughs) do? And so, you know, every day as inadequate as sometimes I feel, I just got to, I just show up. So <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to wrap y'all and leave y'all with this. I saw on that same note of, of showing up, I, Dr. LaTanya Moore um, is a thought leader, licensed therapist. Mm-hmm. She's an author now, maybe. Um, and a, a coach for a coach for coaches Mm. to really kind of get under you and say what you just said, like, are you going to show up or are you just not, are you just going to show up? You know what I mean? Um, and yesterday she said, it's time out for games and disobedience. Mm. Stop letting the enemy and fear stop you. Go use your power and authority in Christ and change somebody's life today. I love that. And so- like, it was one of the, I read it and got the ugly cry and then like, <laughs> chest up like chin up <laughs> suit up right? yes 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 that's so good that's so good all right well friends i really do hope that this conversation has helped you um go back and listen cuz when she was breaking down that circle the the trust circle and the process of the deliberative dialogue i think that somebody needed to hear that um maybe it was a scripture that we started with maybe it's you getting connected with her to find out if there's a circle like this in your community, because nine times out of 10, there's these hidden gems that we know nothing about. And we stay behind our computers or stay behind our phones. We're never going to find them. It might mean going out and doing real life in person with people Mm -hmm. so that you can find the resources. I do, I do pray um, that these conversations move you in another direction Um, If anything that was talked about tonight felt condemning, shame off you, because that's never why we're here. Um, If if any of the conversation triggered anything that your thoughts went in a direction that you feel like you need to talk to someone else, there will be resources in the show notes as well for, for that. Know that asking for help or getting help is not a sign of weakness. It is a sign of authority and a sign that you are just like God because he is the helper and he made you with him. When he made you, he had himself in mind. And because he is the helper, he wired you to be a helper, but to also need the help. Yeah, right? that's good. Yeah. 
Okay, I'm going to stop because I'll keep going. <laughs> bless it. Bless it, Lord. Bless it. All right, y'all. Until we get a chance to talk again, whether it is here on this podcast or on one of the spaces in social media, um, I love you and I'm proud of you. And I'm grateful that you shared this space with me. Until we get to chat again, um, be well and stay free. Y'all take care. Good night.